0: Hi YouTube, it's Joshua Miles, and welcome back to my channel. Before we delve into this case, I'd just like to give a massive thank you to the people over at Hunter Killer for sponsoring this episode. The holiday season this year, as we all know, is going to be very different from years past, and with such a different holiday, I've been a bit concerned as to whether the same holiday spirits will be there this year. That was until Hunter Killer came into my life. Hunter Killer is an immersive murder mystery experience and is honestly the perfect thing to do during the cold winter nights. You can get your whole family involved and engaged, get them off their phones, and hooked into a game that lets you put on your detective hats. Let me give you a little teaser for the game. When Julia Adler unearthed the corpse of a famous actress from the 30s in her family's theatre, What was previously thought of as a disappearance is revealed to be a murder, with the board of directors trying to push her out, and the theatre's reputation on the line She looks to you to discover the truth about this cold case investigation. It's the perfect game to play with family this holiday season, bringing everyone together by challenging them to decode ciphers, examine clues, and to solve puzzles. It's kind of like an escape room at home, but with a bit of a murder mystery twist. And the best part is part of the proceeds from every single box is donated to the Cold Case Foundation, which is an organization that is dedicated to helping solve real life Cold cases. So as you solve a fictional case, you can rest assured that you've helped with real life cases. My team and I love playing Hunter Killer at the weekends with a glass of wine in hand. I've never played a game that's more interesting and competitive and original and really, really, really up my streets. Hunter Killer has been kind enough to hook you all up with a discount code to get 20% off your first box by going to hunterkiller.com forward slash Joshua Miles and using. Code miles at checkout. Do you have what it takes to hunt a killer? And with all that being said, let's delve right into this case. People Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. I showed emotion. Unit
1: two, move into position. Units three and four, maintain coverage of sector seven. I am not guilty. Now, I'm, I'm,
0: Wednesday, the 24th of July, 2019, started out just as any other day for 15-year-old Alexandra Marchesanu. She got up, planned out her day while she ate her breakfast before heading off to school. Alexandra attended Mihai Vitarzl High School in the nearby town of Caracal, which was only a short 10-minute drive away from her hometown of Debros, Sloveni. Dobro Sloveni, I'm not entirely sure you pronounce this, this episode is going to have a lot of Romanian words in it, so I really do apologise for my pronunciation in this episode, I've tried my hardest, but I don't know Romanian too well. Dobro Sloveni is a small town in the alt region of southern Romania, with a population of around 3,700 people. The drive to school normally consisted of a school-provided taxi which would pick up students and then take them to the school at the start of the day and drop the students off in the surrounding villages after school had finished, kind of like a school bus, I think it was more of a minibus than a taxi kind of situation, but I'm unsure. It was coming up to Alexandra's end-of-year exams, and like many young students, she was determined to pass with flying colours. To accomplish this, Alexandra started staying later at school to attend private tutoring sessions. This was all in an effort to ensure that she would get the high grades that she wanted, and Alexandra wasn't without the intelligence needed to achieve such high grades. When asked about Alexandra, the director of her school said that Alexandra was a very good child. She had a special interest in social sciences and that she actually graduated from ninth grade with a 9.0 to grade point average she was a very good child who was always sure of the direction she wanted to go in in life she was a child many parents may desire may want she was part of a popular dance ensemble and also learned guitar Alexandra was a well-liked student and had many friends at the school everything seemed to be going extremely well for the hopeful 15 year old girl she seemed to be completely on the right track That was until, completely out of character, Alexandra failed to show up one morning at school. The last time Alexandra was seen was the morning of Wednesday the 24th of July 2019 at 9 a.m. Though it wasn't until later that evening that her parents realized that she hadn't returned home from school, and they subsequently became very worried for their daughter. As I mentioned earlier, Alexandra was a golden child, and it was so out of character for her to not return home after school without first getting her parents' permission. Unfortunately for Alexandra, she had fallen victim to an unknown killer. Alexandra had decided to meet up with a friend before going with this friend to school. For a girl of 15 years old, regardless of her golden child status, this kind of thing wouldn't have been unheard of. I'm sure many people watching right now met up with their friends as they went to school in the morning. It's something that practically everybody does. There was very little public transport available to Alexandra, so she, as many other people did from the area, decided to hitchhike from her home to school, as we mentioned, as she lived about a 10 minute drive from the city where the school was located. This was such a regular thing, such a normal thing for people to do in Romania, despite it being 2019 at the time. It was so normal that Alexandra's parents had even spoken to her about it. They advised her that if she did need to get home or get somewhere by hitchhiking to ensure that the person was not a young guy who would take advantage of her. Alexandra had been waiting on the side of the road trying to flag down a car that was heading to the city of Caracal when an older man, an older gentleman, pulled to a stop next to her. He offered her a lift into the city out of what she assumed at the time to be the kindness of his heart. And as her parents had advised her to only get into the car of an older man and not a younger man, Alexandra was more than happy to accept this man's lift. With the front seat occupied by various documents, Alexandra happily climbed into the back seat of the older man's vehicle. On the way into the city, the pair naturally started up a conversation. Gioge began by asking Alexandra about her personal and school life. He then began questioning why she was heading into the city that morning. Alexandra informed Gheorghe that she was meeting one of her friends so they could walk into the school together, and it was during this conversation that Gheorghe learned Alexandra was only 15 years old. Even with the knowledge that she was a minor, Gheorghe didn't seem uneasy about giving the 15-year-old a lift, though for Gheorghe, the lift into the city was simply a guise for something far more sinister. You see, Gheorghe had set out that morning with a plan to kidnap a woman. Alexandra's young age didn't deter Gheorghe from his plans to kidnap a woman. Sure, he had set out to kidnap someone a bit older, but he ultimately had decided that age didn't really matter to him. Just before Gheorghe and Alexandra made it to her school, which was where Alexandra was planning on meeting her friend... Gheorghe pulled over to the side of the road and climbed into the back of the car, in the seat next to Alexandra. Now, sat in the back seat of the car with Alexandra, Gheorghe asked her if she would give him oral sex in exchange for the lift to school. When Alexandra refused his request, he tried to sweeten the deal, for lack of a better phrase, by giving her 50 lei, which is about 13 US dollars for the oral sex, though she refused him again. The reality of the danger Alexandra had now found herself in began to set in, and in a desperate attempt to talk her way out of the situation, Alexandra tried to reason with Gheorghe, telling him that she was a virgin and that she would be no good at it. When this didn't seem to deter the old man, Alexandra started screaming for help and began pulling on the door handles in despair, trying to get out of the car, What Alexandra didn't know was that Gheorghe had already put on the child-locking system, which had disabled the rear door's ability to be opened from the inside, essentially locking her in the car with him. She was trapped, a prisoner at this predator's mercy. Annoyed by Alexandra's screams for help, Gheorghe proceeded to slap her several times in the face to try and get her to do as she was told. When this did little to stop her from struggling, Yorge grabbed her by the hair at the back of her head, forcing her to lie on the bench with her head in his lap, lying on the back seat of the car, so he could feel her head on his penis as she struggles. This gave Gheorghe a perverted form of sexual gratification. Alexandra was now restrained by the older man into this horrific position, and as he held her down, he tried to tie her hands behind her back with the belt of his trousers. As Alexandra was still putting up a fight, he was unable to tie her hands behind her back, so he settled for tying them at her front. He then covered her mouth and eyes with tape so she would stop screaming and so that she wouldn't be able to see where he was taking her. During the struggle, Alexandra's phone had fallen to the floor of the car, which Gheorghe picked up after he had secured Alexandra on the back seat. Gheorghe then got back into the front seat of the car and drove them to his home. When they arrived at his house, Gheorghe jumped out of the car and opened the gates to his property before quickly pulling the car into the courtyard. Just after Gheorghe shut the gates, one of his neighbours, Victor, appeared on the other side of the gates. Victor tried to start up a conversation with Gheorghe, trying to get him to come and help him tomorrow morning the morning after this was happening, to move some wheat from his fields. Paranoid and panicked that Victor might have seen something he shouldn't have, Gheorghe quickly promised Victor to help the next day to get him to go away and leave him alone. Further to Victor, another one of Gheorghe's neighbours tried to have a chat with him. Stefan Reisipitanu tried to ask for money from Gheorghe so that he could go and buy tobacco, which Stefan said he would then share with Gheorghe later on. Gheorghe refused this offer and quickly moved away from the gates and back to his car. Once Gheorghe was sure that both of his neighbours had left the gates and had both left him alone, he unlocked his car and dragged Alexandra into the bottom-floor bedroom of his house. In this ground-floor bedroom, Gheorghe threw Alexandra onto the bed, tied her legs together, and then secured her bound hands with chains that had already been installed on the bed. And once Alexandra was secured, Gheorghe left the bedroom, locking the door behind him. Gheorghe left his property in his car, he drove off to go and sell a car parts, which was what he was on his way to do when he had spotted Alexandra on the side of the rose. Later that evening, Gheorghe returned home and made his way back into the bedroom where he had chained up Alexandra. Alexandra had actually fallen asleep, likely due to a combination of high stress and high emotions, and she was roused from sleep when Gourgay ripped the tape from her mouth. Alexandra immediately started begging for him to let her go, as her parents would be very, very worried about her. Now, as she still a tape covering her eyes, she didn't know that the person who was untying her was the same man that had kidnapped her. Gheorghe then began an attack of rape and sexual assaults on the 15-year-old girl. After forcing Alexandra to give him oral sex, with every refusal, earning her a harsh beating, Gheorghe tied Alexandra back up and covered her in a blanket before joining her on the bed and falling asleep crazing her to him the next morning on the 25th of July 2019 Gheorghe awoke early to tend to the animals outside before returning to the bedroom once back in the bedroom he woke alexandra up who started complaining about feeling sick telling him that she had a headache and stomach pains She told Gheorghe that she had vital medicine back home that she needed to take, and that he should release her so that she could go and take this medication. She told him that if he did release her, she wouldn't speak to anybody about what had happened. Gioge refused to take her home or to let her go, but he did state that he would get in touch with her parents and let them know that she was safe. I mean, she definitely wasn't safe, but... You know, he was going to lie to her parents, say that she was safe. After this conversation, Gheorghe forced his victim to lose what was most precious to her. By forcing her into sexual intercourse. This rape resulted in a world of pain for Alexandra from both his penetration and from his strong punches and bites that he had left all over her body. Once he was satisfied, Gheorghe tied Alexandra back to the chains attached to the bed and secured her hands and legs together. Gheorghe then left the home to go about his day, going to help his neighbour move the wheat like he had promised the day before and then heading into the town. In town, Gheorghe purchased a cheap mobile phone and made a phone call to Alexandra's mother. When her mother answered the phone, Gheorghe told her that he was her new son-in-law and he and Alexandra, his new wife, were happily married and were now moving to work in Belgium. Gheorghe quickly hung up the phone before Alexandra's mother could respond before throwing the mobile phone away. And it was during that morning of Thursday, the 25th of July, while Gheorghe was out of the house, that Alexandra would be heard from for the first time since her disappearance, and also for the last time. While Gheorghe was out of the house, Alexandra managed to untie the chains that were securing her to the bed. This allowed her to maneuver her body around enough to remove the bindings from her head, legs, mouth, and eyes. Finally being able to see and move around the small bedroom she was in, she was able to find a phone and made a desperate attempt to save herself. She made three different calls to the 112 emergency services number, the emergency services number in Romania, think 999 or 911. Between 11.03pm and 11.12pm that evening, Alexandra told the dispatcher on the phone that she had been abducted and was now trapped in a building in Caracal where she had been raped. The emergency services dispatcher, who answered her call unfortunately didn't believe that her calls were real, and it seems that they were prank calls, dismissing her pretty quickly. It's important to note that the emergency services dispatcher is also the local police. Um, They are police officers that answer these calls. Now, on these calls, you can hear how scared and how stressed she was.
1: Let's take a listen. Hello? Bună Da. am 15 ani și adică nu unde ești. În exact. Păi dă-mi un punct de reper unde te afli în Caracal. Cum crezi că te găsim? Alo! Da, stă-ți, îmi trec, ați vă rog. Ai fost violată? Da, am fost violată. Dar rămâi la, la telefonul ăla. Da. Încearcă să ne dai un punct de
2: reper ca să știm exact ce... A e venit, a, a venit, a repede, vă rog. nu, 2, ce urgență aveți? Tot Al... sunt.
1: Unde ești în Caracal? Nu, am trecut când am văzut prima dată, m-a legat la ochi, eram pe lângă DIG. Pe domnul cheamă Popescu Lucian Gabriel. Lângă DIG, Popescu Lucian. Pe și acum pe unde ești? Te poți uita? Nu pot, sunt închisă într-o cameră. Vădă cât o, o poartă. Ia uite-te, uite-te pe... Și da, de unde îl cunosc pe el? Ia spune. Nu Să vă spun, eram ieșit la ocazie ca să mă duc până oraș. Și Dumnezeu m-a luat la ocazie, a, a închis mașina și m-am închis acolo. După aceea să mă duc la el. S-a luat la ocazie numărul de la mașină? Da. La, mai ții minte ceva din numărul de la mașină? Nu. Ce mașină, ce culoare? Mașina era, mar... era gri și avea, avea boturile turtite. Cu bot t- turtit? Da. Am atât ai reținut tu. Și acum da. ai închisă, ai trecut pe lângă dig? Da, atunci m-am uitat prima dată, dar acum nu știu, cred că sunt în bol sau ceva, nu știu. Bun, ai telefonul la tine, da? Da, dar e la el. Eu acum Cum sunt m-a? după al număr. Nu contează. De unde ai tu numărul ăsta? Care număr? Ăsta de pe care mă spun, de unde e ai telefonul telefonul lui, l-am găsit aici. Telefonul e telefon... lui? Da. Este, este telefonul lui, da? Bun. Da, doamnele, vă rog, primite-te-mi mi stai putin e că... te-am înțeles, stai puțin la telefon dacă Așa, tot Alo, a, 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 a trecut. Vor... pe lângă de ieri e ăsta e telefonul Veniți lui. Veniți cât mai repede.
2: Unde să venim, domnișoare, spuneți-mă. Unde? Unde?
1: Unde? Nu știu exact, am trecut pe lângă Dic, dar acum cred că sunt în bol, că altundeva nu putea să Unde? Unde sunteți În bol. În bol? Da, uitați, stați, 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 Am găsit o
2: adresă. BLD. Antoniu Scaracala numărul 9. Acolo rămâne.
1: rămâneți. Rămâneți acolo, Antoniu la numărul 9, da? Continuați adresa că a- e repede că mi-e frică. Ce bloc
2: este acolo? Ați spus că e un bloc,
1: ceva? Nu este bloc, nu este da. bloc, este o casă.
2: Bun, rămâneți acolo să vină echipați de poliție, bine? veniți repede că mi-e frică, Nu, nu, doi, ce urgență aveți? Doamna, ați trimis pe cineva, că cred că întoarce și mi-e frică că mă
1: bate. Da, ai vorbit cu poliția, da? Da, cu dumneavoastră, Ce te-a, ce te-a zis poliția? Mi-a zis că o să-ți trimite un echipaj, dar v- mai Alu, poliția a revenit faptul.
2: Da, da. Puneți doamna, Domnul, da. Da.
1: da. Vă rog, ați trimis pe cineva aici. Da, am primit,
2: rămâneți acolo, că în, în două minute n are cum să zboară mâini, domnișoare. Stați acolo, Da. Vom veni echiparii! Păi de cine este frică? Alo, de cine vă este frică?
1: De el, m-a bătut!
2: De el? Cine este persoana?
1: A, îl popesc Lucia, Popescu Lucian? Popescu Gabriel.
2: Lucian și unde se ăsta acolo?
1: Am zis că Volt Antoniu Scaraca, numărul nou, la, la numărul Acolo la numărul
2: 9 stă Popescu ăsta Lucian?
1: Nu știu, am găsit doar o carte de vizită și mă gândeam că poate lui... Păi,
2: cartea de vizită ea lui? Nu știu! A, nu știu nici asta. Bine, nu așteptați nu. acum, da, așteptați acolo, va veni acolo cu in două, trei minute, așteptați.
1: Vă rog sa la telefon că nu frică.
2: Nu poți să stau un telefon, domnișoare, că avem și alte apeluri. Rămâneți acolo, vine echipajul de poliție, negreșit va veni, da? Două, trei minute cine da? Bine. Stai calmati calmați-vă un pic, da? E frică. Încercați să vă calmați, pe. Da? Calmați-vă și va veni echipajul, rog... e pe drum. Bine. Da, bine, bine, bine. Da? Bine. Bine. Unfortunately, these are the last
0: known moments and words that Alexandra spoke. Her last moments were that of a scared child who just needed help. Even after being pushed aside, Alexandra still remained polite, wishing the dispatcher on the phone a good day before they hung up on her for the third and final time. Unfortunately for Alexandre, ...the address that she found on a business card was not the address that she was being kept in. According to the police, this and the fact that they couldn't effectively trace the call... ...was the reason that they didn't respond to this call faster. As heard at the end of the last call that Alexandra made to 112 emergency services... ...Gheorghe had finally returned home to find Alexandra stood untied... ...at the other end of the bedroom from where he had left her bound on the metal bed... She was just hanging up the phone as he walked through the door. This angered him, as he knew that he couldn't continue to keep Alexandra for himself. Knowing that he was likely to be arrested soon, Gheorghe grew angry. He began again to hit Alexandra. She sustained multiple traumas to her head and torso. To ensure that she would stop struggling, he smashed her head into the cement floor. Before proceeding to climb on top of her to continue the attack. With Alexandra now being too weak to struggle due to the severity of the injuries that she had sustained, he grabs her by the throat and strangles her until the light faded from her eyes. After Alexandra had died, Gheorghe carried her body out into the garden covered in a blanket. It was 19 hours after the murder on Thursday, the 25th of July, 2019. But the police finally arrived at the correct address. Even though the police had arrived at the correct address, it still took them another few hours to actually enter the property as they had to wait on a search warrant. Now, shockingly, this search warrant wasn't actually legally necessary, legally required for them to enter the home in Romania and was just another way in which the police failed to save this innocent girl. Gheorghe Dinka was arrested on the 26th of July 2019 for the murder of Alexandra Mechisani. The emergency services calls were released to the public through social media by Alexandra's uncle. He obtained the details of his niece's calls from the Special Telecommunications Unit in charge of directing emergency calls, He believes that the public needed to hear how the Romanian police failed to save his innocent niece due to their incompetence. As you heard in the calls, Alexandra was scared. Scared for her life, which anyone would be, regardless of age or gender, after being kidnapped, locked in a room, and raped by a man who you believed would just drop you off in the city so you can meet up with a friend. Alexandra's parents believed that part of the reason she chose to get into Gheorghe's car was the fact that he seemed like an innocent old man who was helping her from the kindness of his heart. But behind the kind smiles and wrinkles was a man who you would never want to be left alone with. So who was Gheorghe Dinka? Gheorghe Dinka was a 65 year old retired mechanic who lived alone in his rundown family home in Caracal that his parents had left for him in their will, he had inherited it. He had previously lived in Vicenza, Italy with his family, but after an injury left him unable to continue his job, he returned to his home country without the rest of his family. His wife, children and grandchildren continued to live in Italy without him, where they had a stable life, and they didn't want to up- Roots all of their lives and moved to Romania, which would have been quite a counterintuitive change. His wife actually only visited him in Caracal for one month out of the year, usually around the holidays, for a vacation. Gheorghe did admit that while his wife was away, he had several extramarital affairs. During one of the visits his wife made to Romania, Gheorghe actually smacked her while they were in a heated argument. He then locked her out of the house and proceeded to throw stones at her. His wife had to jump over the fence to escape, and she called her son to come pick her up. Even with all of this happening, Gheorghe's wife had downplayed her husband's abuse and briefly mentioned to her family and friends that this violence was just a phase and that she would ultimately go back to him. Gheorghe, on the other hand, stated that his wife had started to, quote, change due to her living apart from him, and he had actually intended to divorce her. Yet, when he was asked by a neighbour if his wife would be visiting again, he responded, quote, of course she is coming, no is not an option, which honestly is very controlling and very hypocritical in a way because he wants to get a divorce from her but she isn't allowed to leave him, it just goes to show his character and how abusive that is and how emotionally abusive he was and I guess physically abusive too, unbeknownst to his family back in Italy Gheorghe had been planning on changing up his lifestyle and moving away from the city. Since 2017, Gheorghe had been preparing to sell his inherited family home and find, quote, a woman close to his age with whom he could rebuild his life, far from Karaka. He even went as far as posting a series of advertisements for his home alongside an advertisement to help him find a new woman. The advertisement stated, quote, I want to meet a serious and unobtrusive female person who will live with me and move to the mountains. I have recently retired and want to spend the rest of my life with a housewife. I own a car and I would love to travel around the country. When the police searched his house in 2019 after the murder, they found handwritten letters from Gheorghe to an unidentified female who he had been trying to establish a relationship with, letters dated for 2017. He'd been paying her 150 euros to buy clothes for her preschool child and had been instructing the mother on how to dress and where to meet him. Obviously, this plan to move to the mountains with the perfect little housewife didn't work out, as he was still living alone in Caracal two years later in 2019. He was known as a man who liked to use physical violence to solve a problem. He constantly got into arguments that resulted in a punch-up between Gilgey and another person. Seven months before Alexandra was taken, in April of 2019, another girl from the same area also went missing. Luisa Melencu was an 18-year-old student who lived with her grandparents in Raromia, a small town only a 15 minute drive away from the city of Caracal. At around 10.30am on Sunday the 14th of April 2019, Luisa left her home to head into the city of Caracal. She needed to go to the city to collect some money that her mother had sent her through the MoneyGram transfer system. You see, her mother was in London at the time and regularly sent money over to Louisa, so this was a normal occurrence for her, something she did all the time. Unfortunately, when Louisa arrived in the city, she discovered that the system wasn't in operation, so she wasn't able to withdraw the money like she wanted. After realizing that she had nothing else left to do in the city, Louisa called her grandfather to let him know What had happened. She told him that she couldn't get the money out and would try to find a way home. After talking to her grandfather, Louisa then called her mother while she made her way to a spot that was well known by most people in the area as a waiting point for hitchhikers. This was where many people went to catch a ride out of the city, as, like I mentioned earlier, there was no reliable or regular public transport in the area. Luisa was seen on CCTV walking along the road on the phone before stopping at the hitchhiking point. This was where Gheorghe found her sat alone on the pavement. Gheorghe was driving back home after doing some shopping when he spotted Luisa on the side of the road. He offered to give her a ride home and opened the right back door of his car for her, as his front seat was filled with various objects and his shopping. What Louisa didn't know at the time was that this was done on purpose, so that she couldn't sit in the front seat of the car. Gyorgy had actually modified his car so there was no way that a person sat in the back seats could open the windows or doors. He did this by disengaging the electrical wiring to the buttons in the back seats so that those buttons were not functional, the buttons you'd usually use to open the windows. He also had the child lock that the car was manufactured with turned on so that there was no way to open the back doors from the inside. Both of these aspects made it impossible for someone to leave the back seats of his car without him letting them out. Luisa entered the car on the preface that Gheorghe was willing to give her a lift back to her hometown. On the drive back towards Radomir, Gheorghe and Luisa enjoyed a casual conversation about Luisa's life and what she was doing in the city that day. When Gheorghe learned that Luisa was unable to get the money from her mother, he offered to pay her 120 lei, which is about 30 US dollars, to have oral sex with him. Now Luisa did not just refuse this money, she was also really offended by the proposition, especially considering she was still a virgin. Gheorghe persisted with his proposition and offered her an additional 50 lei, but was once again refused. By this time, they were starting to get near to Radomir, and Gheorghe knew he was running out of time. He pulled the car up on the side of the road, and climbed into the back of the car with Louisa. After asking her once more for oral sex, which she adamantly refused, she realized how much danger she was actually in, and started screaming for help. She pleaded that she did not want this, and that she was still a virgin. With Louisa still refusing all of his advances, Jorge decided to follow through on his plan to kidnap her and keep her in his home. He used his brute force and imposing nature to subdue her by slapping her across the face and pulling her hair. This made her stand hunched in the back of the car in front of him, which gave Gheorghe the perfect opportunity to use his belt to tie her arms behind her back. With Luisa unable to lash out at him, Gheorghe pushed her face down on the other seats in the back of the car, secured her to the car with the seatbelt. Through this struggle, Luisa's phone fell out of her pocket and landed at Gheorghe's feet, and as Luisa was unable to move, Yogi figures this was the best time for him to beat some submission into her. He punched, bit, and slapped her to ensure that she would remain still lying on the back seats. Once he was satisfied that she wouldn't try anything, he grabbed her phone off of the floor and made his way back into the front seat of the car. Gheorghe then started the drive back to his house which was prepped for him by him to keep her captive as well as sexually exploit her in any way that he fancied. During this drive to his home Gheorghe threw Louise's phone out of the car and onto the side of the road to avoid any interruptions and to avoid being tracked. Once they arrived at Gheorghe's home, he pulled the car up outside his gates and left the car running while he ran around to open the gates. Gheorghe did this horridly to try and stop anyone around seeing what he was doing. But unfortunately, his neighbor, Stefan Risipetanu, spotted him arriving home. Stefan was one of the only people that Gheorghe tolerated in the neighborhoods, and they would actually help each other out with various tasks if needed, such as sharing alcohol and tobacco. While Gheorghe drove the car through the gate, Stefan followed them through as he wanted to ask Gheorghe for some tobacco. Gheorghe obviously panicked and quickly moved out of the car, got out of the car uh, to meet Stefan before he could get to the car and see Luisa trapped inside. Gheorghe managed to persuade Stefan to stay where he was while he went to close the gate to stop more people from seeing what was happening. While Gheorghe was closing the gate, Stefan heard noises coming from the car and spotted Luisa through the windshield, screaming for help. Luisa was crying and trying to call for help from this stranger, not knowing that he was never going to help her. Once Gheorghe saw that Stefan had seen Luisa... He tried to explain that she was someone that he had arranged to have sex with. Either Stefan was easily fooled or that he just didn't care enough, he just shrugs this whole thing off and asked whether he could have a go. Gheorghe agreed and satisfied with the answer, Stefan moved away to start making the cigarettes for the pair of them. Gheorghe realized that it would be better for him to get Stefan involved with Louisa's rape, so he would also be brought down with him if they got caught. Now with Stefan occupied, Gheorghe released Louisa from her seatbelt restraints and dragged her into the bottom floor bedroom of his house, with his hands over her mouth to prevent her from screaming. Once in a bedroom, Gheorghe tied Louise's legs together with tape and covered both her eyes and mouth, rendering her unable to move on the bed. The bed had been specifically made for this use with a metal bed frame that he had welded to the wall and had decorated with various hooks for rope ties and chains. After he was sure she couldn't go anywhere, he left the room, which he locked behind him and went to go find Stefan. Gheorghe told Stefan that if he wanted to have a go with Louisa, then he would have to wait till he had been. Stefan agreed to these terms and stayed in the courtyard while Gheorghe returned to the room. When he entered the room, he found Louisa sobbing and begging for him to leave her alone. This irritated him, so he insulted her and hit her in the face again until she stopped crying. Once she started acting like he wanted, he took her clothes off and raped her, taking her virginity. While this took place, Louisa begged him not to ejaculate inside of her as she was not on any form of birth control as she was previously a virgin and didn't have any need to take any. Thankfully, this seemed to register with Gheorghe, and he pulled out before he finished, but made her swallow his semen instead. Once he was finished, Gheorghe ensured that she was correctly tied up again and went to fetch Stefan from outside. By the time Gheorghe and Stefan had returned, Louisa had passed out. As they walked further into the room, Stefan tripped over a table, which woke Louisa up. She started to cry again, and because she was blindfolded, she was unaware of who was in the room. Both men then took advantage of the tied-up girl and raped her. Unfortunately for Louisa, Stefan became angered by her struggling and so became more violent, punching and biting her while becoming rougher in the pursuit of his own sexual pleasure. By the time both men were finished, Louisa was barely conscious— Gheorghe and Stefan then left the room, again locking it behind them while they went to share a smoke outside. Once Stefan had left, Gheorghe finished up some chores that needed finishing outside, then made his way back into the room where Luisa was being held hostage. Seeing that Luisa was still passed out, Gheorghe decided to join her and laid down next to her and then promptly fell asleep. The next morning, the 15th of April 2019, Gheorghe woke up at 6am to attend to the animals that he kept outside, before moving back inside to wake Louisa up. As you can probably guess, this was not a nice wake-up call for Louisa, who was once again subjected to forced oral sex and unwanted sexual intercourse, being raped and sexually assaulted again. After Gheorghe had finished, Louisa begged him to let her go, as her grandparents must have been very very worried about her. Taking a moment to think about it, Gheorghe asked Louisa for the best number to reach her grandparents on with the promise that he would let them know that she was safe and staying over at a friend's house. Gheorghe, satisfied with his morning, locked Louisa up again and continued on with his day. He left his home to head back into the city to go to the market and to go to his favourite coffee shop. With how nonchalant Gheorghe was acting, you can just tell that he was very confident that he had gotten away with Luisa's kidnapping Either that, or he just didn't care if he would, would be caught. Before he returned home, Gheorghe purchased a cheap phone with which he called Louisa's grandfather from. The conversation was very quick, with Gheorghe only staying on the line long enough to tell her grandfather that, quote, Luisa, at the insistence of a good friend, no longer wants to come home and does not want to talk to her family. This call only worried Louisa's grandfather further. The day that Louisa had been taken by Gheorghe, Louisa's grandparents had actually known what sort of time she'd be returning home from Caracal. Louisa was not the type of person to not let them know where she was going to be. So when they arrived back home, which was after the time they'd expected Louisa to be home, they panicked. During this panic, they started calling their relatives and other acquaintances to find out where Louisa could have been. After receiving this call from Gheorghe, Louisa's grandfather made the call to the police, telling them of their concerns. The police were quick to dismiss them, saying that she probably just ran away with a boyfriend and that she was just too scared to tell them. Unfortunately, this was not the case. After hanging up the phone, Gheorghe removed the SIM card from the phone and threw them both away. Gheorghe finally returned home in the evening, he attended to his animals in the yard before making his way back into the bedroom. As expected, Gyorgy again forced himself on the still-tied and bound Luisa, raping her again, before falling into bed next to her and drifting off to sleep. Gyorgy continued this routine for the next couple of days, reducing Luisa down to that of a sex slave. Eventually, Luisa's resistance to anything he was doing became too much for him to handle, She cried too much, she complained too much, and she continued to beg to go home. This pushed Gioge over the edge. He actually admitted during his trial that he flew into a blind rage, in which he lost control and continually hit Louisa with clenched fists on the head and chest until he heard her chest break and crack. At this point, Louisa had started to have a seizure due to the violent nature of the attack and the stress placed upon her body and mind. Once the seizure had ended, Gioge realised that she was dead. Gioge then took Louisa and any belongings of her that he could find, such as jewellery that had fallen off during the time she'd spent in the room, and placed her in a barrel that was left in his yard. He then burned her body in the barrel until you couldn't tell from just looking into the barrel that there used to be a body there charring her remains. The next day, on the 18th of April 2019, Gheorghe set out in his car with a bag of ash and bone. At first he decided that he would go and dump these remains in the river, but on his drive to the river he actually saw a forest which he decided would probably be a better place to get rid of the ashes. After Gheorghe had disposed of the ash and bone, he continued on with his life in the same way as before, as if nothing had happened. That was until July, when he met Alexandra, who we discussed earlier on in this case. It wasn't until the day after Gheorghe was arrested, Saturday the 27th of July, 2019, that the general public first got wind of the case, which actually resulted in the spread of mass disbelief across the whole of Romania. The public couldn't understand how the police could have allowed this to happen. With many people descending on the capital, Bucharest to protest the negligence that the police showed in both of these cases, tensions between the Romanian population and the police began to grow. The police had brushed off the concerns of Louise's grandparents when she hadn't come home, and further hadn't taken Alexandra's 112 emergency calls seriously. Hundreds of people descended on the square outside of Romanian interior ministry headquarters. Every type of person you could think of turned out for this protest. Families, students, the elderly, and many of them left pairs of children's shoes in front of the building as a way to make a stand about the inadequacy of the police and um, paying tribute to the two murdered girls. Before the sad truth of Alexandra's death became public knowledge, the Romanian constitutional courts had been delaying various governmental reforms and legislation changes, delaying them over several months. Some of these legislative changes were to increase the penalties for people sentenced for crimes such as murder, rape, and crimes against children or paedophilia. These changes didn't seem able to go through the courts and be passed until this mass increase in public awareness after this case. The public's pressure, expediting, the legislative changes. Many members of the public who turned out for the protests spoke out about how unsafe they felt in their own country because of some of the changes the government had previously made. These changes entailed reducing the number of patrolling police officers across the country. Most people at the protest were complaining about the weakening of the criminal justice system in their country and the sheer incompetence of their police force. At the beginning of his trial, Gheorghe confessed the murders of both Alexandra and Louisa. He immediately took responsibility for the crimes and declared that he, quote, had to pay for what I did. I have to receive the maximum punishment. On several occasions during the hearings, Gheorghe actually cried when they discussed how the relatives of Louisa and Alexandra must have been feeling about this entire tragedy and how this tragedy would affect their families for years to come. He seemed to have no explanation or justification as to why he committed the crimes, but did admit that he saw the two situations with the girls as an opportunity as they voluntarily got into his car. The only bones found were actually confirmed to have been Alexandra's. They tested the bone fragments against her mother's DNA, which confirmed a parent-child match. There were 394 bone fragments found still hot mixed with piles of ashes, and 23 dental fragments in a metal barrel in Gheorghe's garden. Also found in the barrel was a selection of rings and fragments of chains, which were determined to have been parts of a necklace. During his trial, Gheorghe was given a psychiatric examination and a behavioural analysis. These shows that Gheorghe had an unhealthy relationship with sex, and had an obsession with his own manhood. These visions of grandeur made him lose all respect for women, which in his mind made them only a simple object that he could use to satisfy his sexual pleasures. When speaking with his friends, Gheorghe often spoke about what his perfect sexual encounter would be, Unfortunately for the woman he encountered, his dream scenario was that his woman would be unable to refuse or oppose anything he wanted to do to her, so for all intents and purposes, he dreamed of raping women. At the end of the trial, Georgi Dinka was charged with seven different criminal offences human trafficking, trafficking of minors, two counts of rape, two counts of murder in the first degree, and finally the desecration of corpses. Stefan, his neighbour, was also charged for the rape of Louisa Melencu. And that's everything I have for you in today's case. Let me know what you think of this case down in the comments section below. This case was a very, very heavy case. It is a case that is Pretty recent compared to cases I usually cover on this channel, but it's a case that I think is just as important. Again, a massive thank you to the people over at Hunter Killer for sponsoring today's episode. Be sure to grab your 20% discount for your first box from Hunter Killer by clicking the link in the description or the link at the top of the pinned comments. Make sure you subscribe to this channel and that you've hit that bell icon so you can be notified every single time I post a brand new true crime video just like this one. Briefly before you go, when do you think is the best time to be decorating... To set for Christmas decorations, like holiday decorations. When should I do that? I have tinsel, I have a few Christmas bits and bobs, I have fake snow, we're going to go all out. When should I do that? First of December? Next week? Let me know. And with all that being said, I'll see you in the
2: next case.